0: Welcome back to the Fully Nourished Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Ash, functional nutritionist and integrative health coach, coming to you with a scientific and spiritual exploration of what it looks like to awaken our feminine radiance by becoming deeply and fully nourished in a world that wants to dull us down. You ready? As a reminder, everything in this podcast is for education and inspiration only and is not intended as medical advice. Please talk to the appropriate professional when necessary, and please use common sense before making any changes to your diet and lifestyle. So Daylight Savings Time just happened yesterday, and if you're listening to this on Tuesday, I usually record the week before so. It, it, it was it's a week ago and I'm sure you're sick of hearing everybody talk about it. But man, is it disorienting? I feel like it's more disorienting than normal this year because I don't well, I don't know why, except it just feels like my body is freaking out. <laughs> I I told my operations manager the other day that I don't even know what time it is anymore. Time is completely relative. I have been wide awake for like three days straight. I'll just lay in bed just with my eyes just open with this internal buzzing. And I mean, I'm sure it's adrenaline or something, but I think it's going to take me a couple weeks to adapt to this. But that's a long way of saying that my time, my days are really confused right now. And I have been putting off this episode a little bit procrastinating on it. And I see procrastination as a message. You know, I don't like to really even call it procrastination. But usually when I'm procrastinating, it means a couple things. I'm stressed, I'm overwhelmed. And so I'm frozen, or the work is not yet complete. And that's where, you know, my, men- my mentor will always say, you know, you make a move and the universe makes a move. And it's that 50-50 co-creative process where you're waiting for that final piece, that final answer to just pull everything together. And it's not of you. It's not something that you have to go out and seek. It's something that really needs to come to you from, I guess, the ether. I see the creative process kind of like a birth process where You're culminating, you're culminating, it's growing, it's growing, it's expanding, it's expanding until it's time, you know, it's time to give birth to it. And so I kind of had a loose topic planned for this episode, but it just wasn't quite feeling right. And sometimes during the creative process, if something doesn't feel right or you don't feel it, sometimes you just do it anyways and it ends up being some of your best work. I swear the times when I feel the most uninspired about a topic and I do it anyways, that's the time when you guys have the best feedback for me. You're like, this was the most amazing episode or this was the most amazing thing. And I was like, really? Wow. Again and again, I'm shown evidence of that creative process. Like it's just all about trust. But there's some times deep down when you are procrastinating because it's just not right. And it's not just that the work's not complete. It's just something doesn't feel Quite right. It's like putting a shoe on the wrong foot. It doesn't feel like the right time or something's not aligning. And it's hard to put my finger on or really explain, but I'm sure you felt that too, where sometimes it's just about waiting. Sometimes it's just about being patient. Sometimes it's just about surrendering, but sometimes there's something just, that's just not quite right. And I kept feeling like the topic every time I sat down to really outline it, I just kept hitting a wall, hitting a wall, hitting a wall. And I finally came to the point where I was like, okay, God, you have a topic in mind and I don't know what it is. So please slap me in the face with it. Cause like, I just, I need to get this done by, by the deadline. So sorry, Kayla. I know this is coming in <laughs> quite, quite just in the nick of time for everyone listening. Kayla is my amazing podcast producer. And so yesterday I hop on Instagram stories and we're doing that fun Q and A box where it's like true or false and you guys submit things and then I have to say true or false. And one of you submitted a true or false that said, You used to be a Christian and now your beliefs are more new age. And so I went on to say false. And then I said, I would have thought this about myself five years ago when I was driven by fear and mental inflexibility. But I used to be hypnotized and brainwashed, but now I can finally see. Deep nourishment, deep surrender and trust has allowed me to see truth with a capital T. It is inescapable, which is why so many Christian women in the pro-metabolic space are having a really hard time healing. Their bodies and subconscious minds are telling them something very different than their conscious programming is. And they are afraid of expanding. So it feels like internal chaos. I am closer to God and understand Him more than I ever have in my life. I talk about this more in my podcast. And as a listener, you probably, if you've listened to this whole season, you know that I have woven these themes throughout. But so many of you, an overwhelming response of you said, please, can you share more about your spiritual journey? I'm someone that's struggling with this exact thing. And I really want to hear more about this. And it brought to my mind how I think it's almost two years ago now, it's in my legalism highlight, if you're on Instagram, how I one day off the cuff, I have had not really talked about my spiritual beliefs or anything like that, But on off the cuff, I don't know what it was. It was a fit of rage. (laughs) I went off in my stories about legalism in the church and I haven't rewatched it since because it's really hard to be vulnerable and then also watch your (laughs) vulnerability. Sometimes it's like so cringy, but I went back and reviewed it today because there was never a response on my social media, on my Instagram, quite like when I did that story. That story spread like wildfire. It got tens of thousands of views. Women were sharing it across all platforms. And that was the highest amount of impressions we had ever gotten that day. I think it was over 2 million. And even though I probably wouldn't say things the way that I did back then, I've changed and grown a lot since then, the message still rings true. But because you requested and because I'm here for you, let's dive into this more today. So this episode is going to be kind of about trusting your gut and a little bit more personal about my own spiritual journey coming from a really conservative Christian upbringing and where I've landed now. It won't be everyone's cup of tea you won't always all agree with me. And there are probably gonna be things that really trigger you along the way or really force you to expand your mind and grow a little bit. And that's good. You know, I'm I've never been afraid or shy to trigger people. It doesn't offend me. So many of you have admitted I've triggered you at some point along the way, but I see that as good, right? Like when we look at trigger points as tender spots, that we have to work on or wrestle with and sort out. I kind of think about it as like when your headphones, your corded headphones get tied in a knot, you have to kind of work them out. You can't pull them tighter. You have to kind of gently work out the knots. And so when we get triggered, instead of reacting and shutting something down, that's our fear. We really should face it and we should see why we have a tender point there? Why are we hitting something there? Why is there a wall there? Why is there a block there? Is that block for our own good? Or is it something that we created to protect ourselves at one point that really is no longer serving us? It's actually almost acting as a wall to keep us from energetically expanding. And I know some people that wrestle with their faith, like sometimes it's called deconstructing. I've never really thought that that term was a great descriptor for what this process was for me, I look at it almost as if you are a puzzle, like the middle of a puzzle and all of the edges still have puzzle pieces to go. You have like a kind of a small image and you're kind of stuck there. And as you start to expand your mind and you take God out of a box, you're now able to add more and more puzzle pieces and see more and more of the big picture and learn who God is. And sometimes what you start to recognize is that the god that you put in a box was actually a god of your own making a altar to yourself that you were actually worshiping a false idol of your own making really of something that your brain created keeping it small because of your own fear or maybe your own patterns. I think of it as, you know, when you look throughout the Bible, there's so many times where God warns that like, I am the one true God and only worship me. Do not worship idols. And yet, again and again, you see people because of their own patterns that they're stuck in or generational things that have been passed down to them, they run back To their idols. Like, I think of when the Israelites are in the desert and Moses goes up to the mountain to meet God and he comes back and they're like worshiping their golden calf. A lot of us have a golden calf because of our own fear and our own programming and our own brainwashing and we don't even realize it. And so to me, My spiritual journey is not a deconstruction, it's a shedding of scales from my eyes. I finally was able to enter the temple and worship at the altar of the one true God. And so my experience probably won't resonate with everyone's and that's cool because it's mine and my experience. I'm really choosing to be vulnerable and share with you today and if you don't resonate with it or you don't want to hear it, just turn it off. This episode is really for the women who are feeling the same thing deep down that I once did, and they need someone to put a story or words to their feelings, to those kind of deep, dark crevices and shadows that they're really afraid to face. I know better than anyone that dealing with what feels like doubt can be incredibly isolating, And can cause a lot of internal conflict and chaos. There's shame there. There's guilt there. There's fear there. And there are a lot of Christian women out there who are terrified. Because as they've nourished themselves at a cell level, as they've started to restore their metabolisms and their energy has shifted, right? No matter if they believe that this is what has happened or not, doesn't matter. It is what has happened. Their bodies and their subconscious minds, which make up 99% of their brain's activity, right, are actively butting up against their conscious mind, that 1% of them that is programmed to believe a certain way, to think a certain way, to see things from a specific perspective, to repeat the same talking points over and over without thinking about what they're saying on a deep, deep level to make sure that they really believe those words, marrow deep, bone deep. And so a lot of women are wrestling with this, whether they realize it or don't realize it, whether they're conscious of it or not yet. But they are so afraid to expand and to explore the almost taboo in a sense. They have locked God in a box and therefore locked themselves in a box and we will explore what this really means soon so it feels like absolute chaos think about trying to fit yourself in a box that you can't fit in the box wants to explode and you're constantly jamming up against edges of the box you feel suffocated and you cannot breathe and this is because god is inviting you to expand and you are ignoring the call. You are putting your fingers in, the, in your ears and saying, la, 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 can't hear you. And I guess to really understand why I'm so passionate about this topic, I have to go back to the beginning of a little bit more about who I am. So for those of you that don't know, I was homeschooled my whole life. I only went to first grade and every other year of my schooling was done at home. My mother was a former public school teacher, and so she was really passionate about education. And so she chose a more classical style of education. For those of you that don't know what this is, you know, it's like really encouraging your children to play musical instruments. So I started playing piano at six years old. I took things like Latin in seventh and eighth grade so that I would understand language better. I was encouraged to study apologetics and theology and debate and theory at a young age of 13, 14. And I was able to start college very young at 15, 16. Safe to say I grew up around a lot of homeschoolers. Actually, all of my friends or most of my friends were homeschoolers. I could probably do a whole episode on homeschooling if you want, at least my experience with homeschooling, things I think I learned in homeschooling that I feel like our life skills that I'm so appreciative of now because this was not an education of my choice. This was my mom making a lot of sacrifices to make it happen, my father making a lot of sacrifices to make this happen. And as an adult, I now really truly see like how fortunate I was to have that. But while it was happening, I was just a kid, right? Like I was a kid that wanted to do things that other kids wanted to do and I felt kind of weird and You know, just like with anything, there's weird people and there's normal people. But I guess really all of us are just weird. We're just different layers and levels of weird. But I did grow up a lot around a lot of homeschoolers. But I also grew up in the evangelical space. So think like Calvary Chapel's typical megachurch, you know, starts with a concert, ends with an emotional sales pitch, uh, an altar call maybe to put the cherry on the top of it, really got to get people Emotionally moving with the music, and then just bring it to a crescendo throughout. I was really involved in the church to the point where people would recognize me on the street for years, even after I left, which made for some really awkward conversations. I'm not going to lie. So that is what I really grew up in. But in high school, I started to attend a Calvinist church, or excuse me, they have rebranded now as a Reformed church. Reformed theology. And so I don't do things half-assed. Like I never have. I'm sure you, if you've been a longtime follower, you know this at this point. Like I (laughs) am not a half-assed individual. I have to go 185%. Like if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it right. So safe to say that when I realized that there's no doing life right, it really, like it really threw a wrench into my whole life existence. This episode is brought to you in part by Cosma. It's no secret that I love Cosma's beauty products and the intentions behind them. Not only are the ingredients high quality, nourishing, and chosen carefully, but they're also low pufa and essential oil-free. As we go into the drier months, I cannot live without Cosma's Marshmallow Malva Hydrosol Elixir, which is like a spray-on hydrosol toner. It's so gentle and hydrating to my skin instead of most toners, which tend to dry me out and irritate my skin barrier. If you're interested in checking it out or any of their other products, visit them at Cosma.com. That is K-O-S-S-M-A.com and use the link in the show notes to get 10% off your order. Thank you so much, Cosma, for sponsoring the podcast. So I read the bible every year from like when i was like 11 years old like i'm trying to really truly understand what these adults and these people are saying because like i just i'm i i think even at a young age i recognized the amount of just hypocrisy and baloney and i was really confused i think i was just like okay they're saying this but they're doing this okay what's the answer because that's how my analytical mind is working i'm like well you're saying this and you're doing this. So like, where's the answer? Like, what is the right way to do it? And then when I started to get really involved in this church that had a really different theology, I really wanted to understand it on a deeper level because they kept saying, this is it. This is the true interpretation of the Bible. And I'm like, oh, I found it, you know? And so I start reading Spurgeon, Churchill, Piper, Keller, Carson, Edwards, Pink, Mahaney, Hodge, MacArthur. Like, I am just, eat, breathe, sleeping this stuff. So much so that I actually want to go to the seminary that these people are being taught at because I really just want to understand it deeper. But I was told I wasn't allowed because I was a woman. Now that I know what I know about Calvin and how Calvin was just a nut job and not spiritual or or Christian at all, I feel really weird about this. Like I should have just looked that up a little bit, (laughs) looked up his life story. It would have saved me a lot of time uh, reading. But you know, you live, you learn. I start going to Bible college uh, for a few semesters, like in between my (laughs) multiple jobs. You guys know how I approach health and wellness. That's not how I approach. That's not just how I approach health and wellness. Like I approach life that way. And This is why I think I have such (laughs) severe nervous system dysfunction. Like I have really had to explore why that is, why I operate that way. And some parts of it is my personality, but some of it is definitely more reactive or learned patterns. And so over time, this has really shifted, but I still am who I am. And so I will say that, like, I know that not all churches operate the same way. I understand that what I'm saying is like sometimes generalization. And I want you guys to know that it is pretty common for churches to operate in a very weird way. And I know people will say like, churches aren't perfect and people aren't perfect and you're never going to find a perfect church. And I know all the talking points, but like, can we stop saying talking points and actually conversate about it and and talk about why that might be? (laughs) I know that there are churches out there that do, like, feasts and singing and dancing and fun and encourage healthy sex and animal-based traditional foods and operate as a true community that's just there to, like, really do life together and get down into the trenches with each other. But that's, like, not most churches, can we be honest? Most churches don't operate as a true community, But going back to my story, you know, I get really, really involved in this Calvinist church, and I'm embraced with loving arms, aka love bombing, and this kind of all-consuming acceptance, and I put that in quotation marks. But the first red flags, which I now know are red flags, and I think this happens a lot to people because a lot of us don't have examples of good relationships or strong relationships and so a lot i think a lot of people who grow up in abuse or grow up in emotionally immature families or maybe grow up in really traumatic environments or have trauma done to them it can really feel powerful to have a sense of belonging and predators will always Prey on that. They always will. Anyone that has predatory behavior, who is really emotionally unhealthy, is going to attach to that and prey on it. And so, over the course of this short time at the church, I had already left my old church because something was not feeling right. It was like trying to put a shoe on my foot. Like, Every day I would wake up in dread. Every time I, like every Sunday morning, I would wake up with just dread. Like, okay, it's time to go to church, drag myself out of bed. And although I was doing all these activities and I was super involved, like I just felt so empty. I was, I was serving to death. And you see this happen a lot in churches where they encourage you to just serve your body into oblivion instead of taking care of yourself or taking care of your health or mental health or physical health. They don't care. You just serve, 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 you slave. I can see in hindsight now, and most of the stuff is, I realize in hindsight, as I was going through it, I didn't realize what was going on. I just was like, I feel so horrible all the time. I'm so burned out. I didn't even know I was burned out. I was just like, I'm so tired. And I would just constantly dread and constantly question everything I did. And so I think when I felt this love and acceptance from this new church, I thought, oh my gosh, finally I found a home. I had this soul deep hunger and I thought, okay, this is the answer. And I always see parallels between religion and especially Christianity, at least my experiences, being really involved in like Christiany things. <laughs> There's always so many parallels between the health and wellness space, and like dieting culture, like diet culture, and the church. To me, it's just like almost identical parallel. Where we operate at such extremes, we need to like, we really attach ourselves to our identity. We have to really... Define things and constantly analyze everything we're doing. And so, of course, I go from a pretty, I guess I would say pretty casual evangelical side of of things to just straight reform theology, this very extreme Calvinist. But you can only be gaslit so many times until you start to like feel you either have to disassociate from your body because your mind is just like, no, you start questioning what you see. You start questioning your own mind. And that's the most dangerous thing is when you see evidence right in front of you and you're being trained to ignore it or discount it or even even worse, justify it. Or say, I'm just an idiot, or I'm just a sinner, or I'm just this, or I'm just that. Once we start to ignore evidence that is in front of our face that we can see with our eyes, hear with our ears, feel with our guts, and every time we we ignore the evidence, we stuff it down. We stuff it down, right? We suck it down. Even if we bring it up and someone tries to gaslight us, over time, you question your own thoughts, your own mind. You You don't even know what that is anymore. You lose your intuition completely. And I'm convinced it, t- it causes an internal conflict because you deny your body so many times. Your body's trying to tell you, trying to help you, trying to guide you. It's there for you. It's you. That it almost causes the split where you have to disconnect from your feelings, you have to disconnect from your sensitivity, you have to disconnect from your intuition. And you start operating almost as a robot. It's like, yeah, I don't, I don't know what I, what I'm thinking. Like, I don't know what I'm saying. Like, oh, yes, I don't know. Like, you just start to, your your brain starts to become washed, <laughs> But if there's one thing about me that you have to know is I cannot ignore bad behavior. My gut, you know, I can look back now and say, my gut has always been strong. I I just I thank my creator for giving me the body that feels and is sensitive to what's going on around me, even if my mind hasn't caught up yet. I I thank God now because I could go into so many things that happened to me in that short period of time, that few years. But I won't do it for the sake of grace and forgiveness. But over my lifetime, I can say with absolute confidence, with every cell in my being, that Christians and some of the worst things I have ever seen be done to other people or be said to other people have been done by so-called Christians. Some of the worst behavior comes out of the church. The most predatory, disgusting, inhumane, unempathetic, just lacking compassion things come from people who claim to be Christians. And if you're listening and you're like, well, don't air out the church's dirty laundry. If not, what is the point? This stuff needs to be ripped out into the light and aired out and cleaned out and eradicated. Stop rewarding people for saying the right things instead of doing the right things. I mean, as long as it fits in the box, we're good, right? As long as they say their talking points, we're good. And this is why some of these women that DM me will ask stupid questions like, do you believe the gospel? But do you believe the gospel? Are you a Christ-centered Christian? Like, if I told you yes, will you leave me alone? (laughs) When are we going to acknowledge that we have split our body and soul? what you feel is right and what you're told is right are two completely different things in that world. And it often leads to not only just this internal chaos, but it also leads to people acting very differently when they're in community with each other versus when they're alone. It's like when we speak of love and love being at the center of everything, love, love being the answer to everything and you know, saying things like, love your neighbor as you love yourself. But How can we love others if we don't know how to love ourselves? How we love others is a direct reflection of how we view ourselves, how we love ourselves. If the inner judge is strong, then... How are we going to love others? If we're just going to constantly judge others and think that is love. You literally cannot love others or even comprehend what that even means until you do it to yourself, until you know how to treat yourself with compassion, kindness, selflessness, believing the best, holding space for someone exactly where they're, they're at, or holding space for yourself exactly where they're at. That is true love. You know, I think of the verse, we will be judged according to how we judge others. And I always have thought you know this shows us oh I got it now how I judge others is exactly a reflection of how I see myself so I'm judging myself constantly and I'm gonna bear the consequences of that action and I I always see woven throughout the whole scripture how we pay for the consequences of our own actions a lot of people think that God is like this overarching punisher and he's like don't do this do this if you do if you don't do this oh, I'm gonna whack you but that's not how he operates. He's just letting us know like, hey, this is what's best for you. And if you don't follow this, like, well, you're going to have to bear the weight and consequences of that in your own body. But like you do you, boo, you know, I I got you your coverage and mercy. And so it's interesting because, no, I have to say people in the evangelical space are really dysfunctional. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to lie, but I have never and I mean, never. I have worked with people that are in various levels of ill health but i have never met a group of more sick or depressed or self-repressed people than i have in the reformed church they're just like the women specifically like they're just so tired and haggard they're in a religion of their own self-loathing and shame that they bear it on their faces like you can just see it on them like they're just so weary and Of course, second-guessing everything you do, constantly being in a state of fight or flight, hyper-vigilant. like, oh, no, should I do this or should I do this? What does this mean to God? What does this mean? Constantly analyzing every little step you take. Absolutely no self-trust. Absolutely no belief in the Holy Spirit, truly. They'll say that that is a checkmark in their theology, but absolutely no belief in it. And I see this from like a body perspective, you know, like where thought goes, energy flows, whether we believe that or not, it's happening. So we might as well just get on board. But despising yourself and trying to change who God made you to be, like fitting yourself, you know, you are square and you're trying to fit yourself into a round hole. It's like you're trying to change who God made you to be. Is it possible the reason why you feel so horrible or you suffer from all these autoimmune issues or all of these food sensitivities is because you are constantly attacking yourself? You're constantly attacking your very core. And so your body's like, okay, I guess we're attacking ourselves. And the energy just flows in that direction. And on a deeper level, you know how miserable it is to obsess over constantly how lowly and pathetic you are and how much of a dirty, rotten sinner you are. It's such a self-centeredness, a a miserable self-centeredness. And to me, it's spitting in the face of the creator that made you exactly who you are. It's almost like a form of narcissism because God's like, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Like, I love you. I created you. You're made in my image. And you're like, I just suck. I'm a miserable schmuck. It's so funny to me because some of the worst things that have been said to me on Instagram, like I'm always, it's like a running joke now where I'm going to click on their bio and it's definitely going to say either like Christian in the bio or it's going to say like Christian or it's going to be like sinner saved by grace or redeemed or disgusting sinner saved by even an even greater savior. And it's just such an ultimate red flag to me because why do you have to put Christian in your bio? Like, why can't you just be an incredible person full of vitality and have people just magnetize towards you? And instead, you have to just like shove things down people's throat or, you know, just for your information, I identify as Christian. And to me, again, this is just a reflection of the behavior. There needs to be some type of justification to the behavior. Deep down somewhere in their soul They know their behavior sucks, but I would be an asshole too if I revolved my whole life around suffering and I was that asshole. I didn't even realize that you could live in any other way because I was always around people that like reveled in their suffering. Like it almost made them more holy or important or something. This episode is brought to you by Araza Beauty. I love Araza because they make makeup that is actually good for your skin using intentional ingredients. All of their products are free from synthetics, artificial colorants, fragrances, and gluten. Their number one best-selling foundation, the All-In-One Coconut Cream Foundation, is like skincare and makeup wrapped all up into one. It's made with 98% organic skin superfood ingredients, like a coconut postbiotic that balances the skin's natural microbiome. It's creamy. It's smooth. It's low PUFA, and it also offers 25 SPF from non-nano zinc oxide, artificial blue light blocking capabilities, and anti-pollution protection. This light-to-medium coverage makeup offers a glowy and dewy finish, and it doesn't have that skin-suffocating feeling that a lot of liquid foundations do. When I need the extra glow or coverage, I will usually use it as the last step in my morning skincare routine. Use code Fully Nourished for 15% off your next purchase at arazabeauty.com. Thank you so much to Araza for sponsoring the podcast. And so there were many series of events that led to me just, I got, it got to a point where I was so shut down. I was dreading going to any type of church events. Sunday mornings were just, I literally would dread going to church all weekend long. And I was also the sickest I ever had been. So this was coinciding with me at my sickest. My gut was in turmoil. It was the height of my digestive issues. My health was falling apart. I had no clue why. And here I am just, I think I'm really sick. I just, I I finally realized like, I think I'm really sick. I'm not well. And I physically wasn't start, I was starting to not be able to serve in the church anymore. And I remember this ended up being a really big deal and multiple things had happened to me. And I just got to a point where I just, I just left. I just ghosted. I just, it was like my body forced me to just leave. And at the time I didn't know that was what I was doing, right? I was just like, you keep telling me that if I don't start, if I don't keep attending church and I don't keep serving in the church that I'm going to fall away or become the Prodigal son, or lose my connection with Christ. And I just, like, I'm telling you, I am miserable. I'm suffering. And I remember the straw that broke the camel's back was when this pastor that I was so close to their family and helped him with everything, he just told me, he's like, Well, yeah, like Charles Spurgeon was depressed during his life too. That was just his burden to bear. And it still led him to do really great things. And at that point, I just felt so unseen and so erased that it had been such a death by a thousand cuts that that was just like the final cut and the rope just broke. And I don't know what happened. It was like all of the years of just erasing myself and faking my way through life and not stepping into who God really made me to be and breaking the chains that hold me back from that being that person. All of the, like, bringing shit food to potlucks and living the mediocre lives and kind of having this, like, checked out theology where it's like, I'm just not of this world. Like, I'm already saved. I'm elected. And saying you're led by the Holy Spirit and being the exact opposite. Being around all these just really sick women that are just haggard and sad and miserable in their relationships and their marriages and settling all of the discomfort around Christian men that are always leering and always condescending and always talking about women's bodies and sex in such an uncomfortable and inappropriate way, all of this transactional feeling where everything felt like it had to be a transaction, like if I do this, I get this. If I do this, I'll get this. If I do this, this is what's gonna happen. All of the gaslighting and the manipulation and the shame around our bodies and just purity culture in general so disgusting. I think I just, I was like a branch that just snapped. And my mentor speaks to me all the time about how emotions are communications about what's going on on a deeper level. And rage is our boundaries being violated. And I felt, I feel like my explosion of rage was just every boundary I didn't even understand my sense of self, so I didn't even understand boundaries. Every boundary of my sense of self had been violated continuously over and over and over again. And the God within my cells snapped, the energy just pushed into motion, and I blasted out of that box. And I never, ever, ever wanted to watch another one of those shitty concerts where the worship leader gets his 15 minutes of fame and the car salesman gets up there and convinces you what a piece of shit you are and then tickles your senses and you go on your merry way. Like, I never wanted to deal with it again. I shed it like a skin and it disgusted me. It was like claustrophobia. Like, I just need to get out of here. All the gaslighting, the manipulation, the dogmatic thinking, the legalism, like my body just was like, nope but I'm going to be honest with you. It didn't feel like that at the time. It felt like chaos. It felt like my world was crashing down around me. And when I left the church, I lost all of my community. I lost my activities, my hobbies, my whole schedule changed. And then on top of it, it's like waking up from a nightmare. You're shocked, you're dazed, you're confused. You're just like wading through. It just feels like There's been some type of chaos, some type of explosion. And then here you're like left just kind of picking up the rubble. It can really feel like your world is crashing down around you. And to me, there's such a parallel here because at this point, it's almost like information overload. You have so much, at least I did, I have so much theology and so many other people's beliefs and so much scripture just like pulsing around in my head, all these talking points that I heard over and over and over again since I was a young girl. That started when I was in Sunday school. It was just like all of this is just like ruminating and ruminating and ruminating. And you're like, oh, my gosh, like this is wow. It's really hard to make sense of. And I'll be honest, the first couple of years was really tough because I wanted nothing to do with anything. I tried to go to church for a couple of times. I tried different churches and I just found myself just dreading it every Sunday morning. It took me probably like two or three years to start feeling okay on weekends. It was like my body was so used to when Friday started, start dreading Sunday. It was like this internal countdown. And now I know that my body was bracing to protect itself. It was like, this is so, this energy is so horrible. It's taking you, you know, a week to recover from. My body's trying to prepare me for the stress of being in that environment and being in a state of constant hypervigilance. But I have to tell you what, the minute that I allowed myself to just say, you know what, you don't have to go to church if you don't want to, the amount of relief I felt, and I finally stopped feeling guilty about it and I can't remember at what point I did that, but I started doing something I really looked forward to on Sunday mornings. I would like take myself out to breakfast, take myself out to coffee. It was just like so incredibly peaceful to be like, everybody's at church right now and I am here just like in peace, just sitting here and eating and enjoying my breakfast. And I'm sad to say that there was still a part of me that really felt ashamed and guilty for doing that, that a part of me worried for my soul, like, I was going to be eternally damned for eating breakfast at a restaurant on a Sunday morning instead of being at church. And even though the Christian talking points are that you don't need a church to worship God, you don't need to go to church on Sundays to be a Christian, they don't really believe that, let's be honest. <laughs> There's such judgment there from most pious Christians, I guess we could say, we can call them the, the pious Pharisees. And in hindsight, I can look back now and realize I was in such a severe state of nervous system dysregulation. Like it, it was an abusive relationship. I had an abusive relationship with people in church my whole life. I had been bopped around emotionally and spiritually. To me, it's almost like the military mentality where it's like you break people down and you build them back up in your image or what you need them to be. It's like when people are so fearful they will accept almost any message that promises them to be out of that state and it's almost like they lose their sensibilities or their senses they lose common sense and it really starts to shift your perspective and then your reality and because energy your you know your thoughts shift energy and energy shifts reality you really are creating a new reality for yourself but no matter how hurt i was how angry how bitter, how exhausted, how burned out. I didn't want to even think of the church. I didn't want to look at a Bible. I didn't want to hear anything from anyone. It was like, I was so just like overstimulated. I was done. Even through that time, I can look back now and just say like, God carried me. I was in a life raft, free floating, no direction, no sense of self, alone, and nobody i knew was going through what i was going through <laughs> and still god was there in the trenches in my very cells themselves just sitting there with me in my humanity he was not threatened by my rage he was not threatened by my anger he was not threatened by my bitterness he was not threatened by my hurt my pain my tears my tantrums. He just let me have it. He just let me have my moment. He let me have the space I needed and he just held me there. And so I know so many of you want resources. You want to know how I got from there over a decade ago to now. And I will continue the story in part two of this episode. I feel like this has gotten really long and I will see you in Thursday's episode for part two of. Using Our Gut Instincts, my spiritual journey will continue, and I'll talk about how I got from there to here. Thank you so much for listening to the Fully Nourished podcast. I hope today's episode resonated with you, and I want to give a special thank you to our sponsor, Araza Beauty. If you want to check out Araza's products, visit them at arazabeauty.com and use the code FULLYNOURISHED all one word, for 15% off your order. If I mentioned any links or resources in the episode, they are always included in the show notes for your convenience. And if you enjoyed the episode and want to support the podcast, please share it with others, share about it on social media, or leave a rating or review. Anything helps. I really rely on the amazing women in our community, like you, to spread the word. And with that being said, I also really value your ideas and thoughts about the podcast. So if you have any topics you'd like discussed or guests you'd like me to bring on, please go to justcashwellness.com com slash podcast to share those with me. And if you want more content or you want to stay in the loop about new episode drops, follow me on Instagram at just wellness and sign up for my Sunday email at just slash email dash subscribe. Thanks again for listening and I'll see you soon.